I think this has been one of the most important weeks in American history. In fact, I would argue that what happened, the decisions that came from the Supreme Court over the last week, week and a half or so, well, it's the greatest true progress we've made as a nation towards achieving the founding father's vision for this country uh, since 1964, since the passage in Congress of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. We haven't seen uh, such an incredible movement, such incredible progress towards becoming a more perfect, perfect union since 1964, since that piece of legislation, right, that outlawed made it illegal to discriminate based on race, gender, religion. And we have so much to celebrate. I know I know it's tough out there. I mean, if you're watching the lamestream media, the drive-bys out there, and you're, and you're listening to what they're saying, they act like this is the worst week and a half or so in American history. But you have to remember who's saying that, who's... Who's reacting that way? These are the people that are responsible for truly regressive policies that have done so much damage, not just to this country in terms of the destruction of our institutions, the economy, morality, everywhere you look, but but they have fundamentally betrayed uh, our Constitution. Right, that, that contract between we the people and our government. But let's just go through briefly this week because I, I, I think this is a momentous time that we need to remember and celebrate because history will, will look back on this week and a half as a very, very significant period. This will be really, I think, the turning point in America's history in which we really start to fulfill fulfill what America is capable of becoming. It's the moment that we finally turn the ship back around and head back and sail towards liberty and not back towards, you know, the docks that we escaped from that represented tyranny all the way back in 1776. Look, we, we saw our Second Amendment right reaffirmed you know, the, the Democratic Party in particular has been decade after decade after decade trying to tell us, and obviously it's ratcheted up under this administration, but what are the things they tell us? You don't have a Second Amendment right. That right is not absolute. Joe Biden all the time. You think the founding fathers, you know, th- these, these were meant for hunting. No, they were not. They were meant to protect ourselves against uh, a, a government that might like to run roughshod over us like tyrants to enslave us again and to protect ourselves because the fundamental principle of our founding fathers that still runs through the veins of every red-blooded American in this country is the belief in individual liberty, not collectivism. And so... We saw that Second Amendment right that has been under attack for so long affirmed. Affirmed. And in the case of 
of the first, the SCOTUS decision, it overturned a concealed carry restriction, restrictive law in New York that had been on the books for 100 years. For 100 years, that unconstitutional law was on the books. That's how long people in this country, politicians, have been whittling away at our constitutional rights. So we had the Second Amendment right reaffirmed. Roe v. Wade was overturned. Now, some of you might be upset by that. I understand that some people, I mean, most people that I've talked to don't understand still what it means. They're buying this propaganda campaign by the left that's saying, oh, you can't have this and you can't have that, and a woman's forced to to deal with these uh, different situations that arise. You know, when she is pregnant, Nonsense. That's not that's not the case. And and fundamentally, it's not about whether you like abortion, want abortion, think abortion should be lawful or not. It's about the fact that that is not a constitutional right. It never was until a bad Supreme Court decision. Majority opinion went out of the way, made it up. Read what was not in the Constitution twisted themselves, bent themselves into pretzels, trying to make that a right. It's not a right in the Constitution, which means that it's up to the states to determine their own abortion laws. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And then we had the the, the court case, the Supreme Court case, that restored our, our religious liberty in this country. We've seen the left attacking Christianity, and by Christianity, they're attacking morality. They're attacking our Judeo-Christian principles, the Constitution itself, because all of its all of our morality, the Constitution itself, was based upon, everyone's benefited from it, regardless of your religious affiliation or beliefs or practices. Our rights come from our Creator. That is based on a religious point of view and we had the football coach I mean the premise of that of course was that a a high school football coach was fired for praying at halftime and after games and the left and the courts well they they well he was fired and they upheld it until it went to the Supreme Court but the argument was you know we have to have separation of church and state so because this guy's a public school teacher he's not allowed to pray in visibility That's not what separation of church and state means, and that's not even in the Constitution, those words. Now, we are supposed to have a separation of church and state to the extent that we don't have a theocracy established, that government does not establish a particular religion. But it doesn't mean that you can't have your religion. It doesn't mean you can't pray. And so this school told him he couldn't do it. He wasn't permitted to pray. He could only do it in private, out of the public eye. He had, over time, more and more individuals, players, and so on and so forth, would join him for prayer. He didn't force them and compel them to do that. They did that on their own. And we all know that if he had been putting down a prayer mat and praying to Allah, if he was a Muslim, that would absolutely be protected. And that's to make the point. It is specifically Christianity. Judeo-Christian values that are under attack in this country, the founding principles, that's what's been under attack. And so the Supreme Court said, yes, he can pray. You can have your job 
And you can have your religion too. You don't have to leave it at the door. And so the, 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 the Supreme Court rejected that pillar of the left's platform. The SCOTUS rebuked it. And this man is allowed to pray. We're all allowed to pray. We're all allowed to be Christians if we want to be, as well as other religions. And then finally, this is the big one I was predicting episodes ago that I said at the time was, was I thought, I mean, it's, it was the, the most important case to come out because it has the, well, it, it represents one of the greatest threats from the left. It rebukes it. It destroys it. It takes something away from them. The EPA was put in its place. And I'll get into to, to more about that case in a minute because I'm going to play some clips of the left's reaction so that we're going to begin to understand and pick apart why they're so upset about these things, why they're so upset about what happened with the EPA. But for a long time, what the left has done, in particular, again, the Democrat Party, but the left, well, they've been utilizing regulations from these unelected bureaucrats and agencies to transform the country into whatever it is they want it to be. Now, the EPA has been used pretty exclusively to fundamentally transform the nation's economy towards this Green New Deal by putting forward regulations that force manufacturers, car companies, auto manufacturers to basically force the transition to electricity, right? They call it clean new energy because who can debate clean new energy? But all of this global warming, climate change nonsense is based on phony science. But nonetheless, in each of these cases, each of these cases, all the left sacred cows have just been slaughtered. Their attempts to disarm citizens, their claims that we don't have a Second Amendment right, that we shouldn't be able to defend ourselves, abortion, one of the most important idols of the Democratic Party, an essential piece of their platform, the unlimited expansion of of abortion is what they've been pushing. They've been arguing and pushing. They want it federally funded. They want it nationalized. They want every state, and they want it up to birth. And that's done. That's over. The Supreme Court said that's unconstitutional. Roe v. Wade was unconstitutional. And thus all these pushes to uh, fund with federal dollars abortions, to expand it, to push it, to make every state comply, you can't do that anymore. A cow, sacred cow, slaughtered. Separation of church and state claim, unconstitutional. You know, and, and what all this really affirmed, and the separation of church and state in particular, it affirmed the 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 godless nature of the Democratic Party. And they've exposed themselves as, as godless heathens. They have. I mean, when it comes to their response to overturning Roe v. Wade, the calls to violence, the attempted assassination of Justice Kavanaugh, and now they're, I mean, they're all in. They're, they're calling to abolish the filibuster, to pack the Supreme Court, to do anything they have to do, whether it's lawful or not, to achieve their ends. That's the communist Marxist playbook. They have no self-control. None whatsoever. They are willing to burn the nation to the ground, burn our country to the ground, burn you and me to the ground to achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. 
I mean, these are people that support drag queen shows for toddlers. They want to destroy women's sports via allowing biological men to compete with biological women. They want kindergartners to be instructed about sex, to be encouraged to choose their own pronouns, to confuse them, to put poison in their brains, and they want to do this? They demand that they can do this? This is a turning point in the nation. Now, the EPA case, the most recent one, that the Supreme Court just uh, overturned. By the way, this is Drew Allen, if you're listening for the first time the Millennial Minister of Truth. So uh, their Green New Deal, right? All of this uh, Build Back Better, the Biden administration stemming, going back to the Obama administration, the efforts to fundamentally transform our economy, clean new, clean jobs. No, it's, it's to eradicate, transition us away from oil and gas to, I don't know, windmills, Electricity, they say in many cases, that comes from coal. This is their green new nightmare that they want to put upon us. That's done. It's over. It's been kneecapped. They have no authority to force it unless Congress legislates it, and Congress is unwilling to do it because they have to run for office. And it's not popular unless you're in some wonky, crazy district of lunatics, which is not that common in this country, like a San Francisco, maybe, maybe a Nancy Pelosi type, or an AOC. Sure, they can get elected on this platform, but the rest of America, no, it's a direct threat to their jobs, their security, their liberty, their independence. And it's based on fake science. Now, as I said, this one was the most important overturning this EPA, the Supreme Court rendering their decision in this case. Um, So this was on Thursday, right? They issued a ruling. The case was called West Virginia versus Environmental Protection Agency. And once again, it was a 6-3 ruling, and they sided with West Virginia. Now, they were trying to limit, they fought to, to limit the Clean Air Act. So the issue here were the EPA's plans to use regulation, right? They were making these regulations. So they, they were going to use regulation to reduce carbon pollution, mostly by moving production to cleaner sources. And so once the EPA determined that this was going to be their course of action, they started limiting the allowable emissions from fossil fuel production. And they set these goals in place that they said were reasonable so that they could shift, change the the energy industry, shift how much more electricity, natural gas, and renewable sources could supply without causing undue cost increases or reducing the overall power supply. I mean, nobody voted for these people in the EPA, and this Clean Air Act authorized the EPA to regulate power plans by setting a standard of performance. So they're telling, I mean, I'm just, I'm telling you in general how this works. They can tell the automobile manufacturers what kind of cars they have to make. They can force businesses to have to switch over and change however they they supply themselves based on whatever whims of these faceless bureaucrats of the EPA. And so Chief Justice Roberts, he wrote in the opinion, 
You know, since passage of the act 50 years ago, EPA has exercised, (coughs) pardon me, this authority by setting performance standards based on measures that would reduce pollution by causing plants to operate more cleanly. In 2015, however, EPA issued a new rule concluding that the best system of emission reduction for existing coal-fired power plants included a requirement that such facilities reduce their own production of electricity. Or Basically, so the EPA is issuing regulations that are telling coal-fired power plants that they have to stop producing energy. It's kind of like a version of the COVID lockdowns. You're not allowed to go to work anymore. They're forcing these companies out of business. And so the EPA, what they were doing was they were regulating coal businesses to wind down. And so the question was whether this broader conception of EPA's Authority is within the power granted to it by the Clean Air Act. And so Roberts dug into the regulatory framework. (coughs) I mean, they they really, really did a great job in issuing this opinion. Um, But but I want to I guess I'll keep going with this because it's I think it is important to understand what the EPA does. So Robert exposed, dug into the regulatory framework of the Clean Air Act. And, and basically what the EPA was trying to do to question their authority. How can they do this? So the agency, the EPA, they identified three ways in which a regulated plant operator could implement a shift in generation to cleaner sources. So first, an operator could simply reduce the regulated plant's own production of electricity. Second, it could build a new natural gas plant, wind farm, or solar installation or invest in someone else's existing facility and then increase generation there. Finally, operators could purchase emission allowances or credits as part of a cap-and-trade regime. So nobody voted for this. The majority of the American people don't want to shift over to this Green New Deal, but the EPA was doing it through regulation. We don't like the way you're producing electricity? Well, I got to tell you what. Here's some options for you. You can... You can... uh, you can go and, uh, you know, build some windmills or solar installations. I mean, basically, it was a it was de facto order that they had to do it. And, of course, it's all done in the name of, you know, climate change, right? And so, anyway, long story short, this EPA uh, model that they put out there, I mean, on its face, it was going to require billions of dollars in compliance costs. It was going to re- re- require the retirement of dozens of coal plant, coal-fired plants, so they're creating less energy, actually. And they were going to eliminate tens of thousands of jobs because these places and plants are being forced to shut down. And so this is the basis of this Supreme Court case. You can't put us out of business like this. Nobody elected you. That's not constitutional. And the upshot was that the EPA, via these regulations, what they were really doing, they were trying to exercise power over the nature of the energy industry in the U.S. That's what it was really about. Telling us, forcing us to use the energy sources that they told us we could use. Forcing that transformation based on (coughs) their opinions about climate change and greenhouse gases. 
And so anyway, the Supreme Court found that they overstepped their authority. Mr. Allen, I'll be right back. The fundamental problem with the Democratic Party has always been, with the left, has always been that they do not have any reverence or respect for the Constitution. We're seeing that now, right? The outrage about the EPA ruling, the outrage about the Second Amendment ruling by the Supreme Court, the outrage about, uh, you know, standing up for religious liberty. Those were all very, very strong constitutional decisions. And really, they were no-brainers. They weren't even shocking. They were expected. Obviously, you had three activist judges dissent, but the left doesn't know restraint. You know, for them, they just want to achieve their goals, and they don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the law. They just, they just want to do whatever it takes, the easy way, the forceful way, the tyrannical way to get what they want. And that's the issue. I mean, it really did start with the, the New Deal, with FDR. Yes, we won World War II. But apart from that, the rest of what he did, right, really started to change the nature of our government. And it wasn't in a constitutional way. The expansion of the welfare state, for example, making people dependent upon the government. You know, our government never existed uh, for the American citizen to look to to save them, right? We were supposed to have independence. You can't have freedom and also be made to be dependent upon the federal government. That was never the intention of our founding fathers. That is not our constitutional system. And so he expanded the welfare state. He created government dependency, put these programs out there, made people believe that their next meal was going to come from the federal government. It was an attack on personal responsibility in the name of compassion. But, you know, we didn't have those programs prior to that point. And Americans found a way to make it work, to make do. And now we have a government, a behemoth that is abusive, that is lawless. And so with the EPA ruling, what I want to play for you is one of the reactions to this. Now, there is a woman named Carol Browner. She is a former EPA administrator. She worked in the Obama administration, of course. And before that, she worked in the Clinton administration. So she calls, you'll hear, the Supreme Court's ruling to curb the Environmental Protection Agency's ability to broadly regulate carbon emissions from existing power plants, devastating. Devastating. So she's on CNN with uh, Kate Bolduan, I don't know how you pronounce her last name, to discuss this. Now I've got a few clips to play, but I'll I'll set them up for you. But here's the first one. I want you to just listen to what she says and then I'll explain why I'm playing the clip. Office of Energy and Climate Change Policy under President Obama. It's good to see you. Thank you for being here. Just your reaction to the Supreme, what the Supreme Court just handed down. It's devastating. I, you know, it is yet another example of the court's unwillingness to protect the health and safety of the American people from guns to abortion and now climate change. It is devastating. I'm stopping it there. She says 
She's devastated by the court's unwillingness to protect the health and safety of the American people. Now, on the surface, that doesn't sound so bad, right? The court should be, of course, protecting. Who doesn't want to protect the health and safety of the American people? Well, that's not the job. This is why I was leading into this interview with what I said before about the left and the Democratic Party in this country. They just want what they want. They don't care about the law. They don't care about lawful ways of getting it. They just look at everything as an expedient way, everything as uh, as something that is supposed to give them what they want. That's the only goal. So, see, she views the court, the left views the court, as having a job to do what they want. Now, yeah, <clears throat> am I excited about these, these rulings? Yes, because they're good for America, but they're constitutional. The court's role is not to protect the health and safety of the American people. That's not their role. Their role is to determine what is lawful and not, what is constitutional and what is not. And every single one of these cases was found to be unconstitutional. The decision isn't based on what they want. That's the problem with the activist judges on the court, right? You know, when, when it came to Dred Scott v. Um, Sanford, you know, that ruled that blacks weren't citizens, well, you had um, the seven Supreme Court justices who were pro-slavery. They didn't base that decision on what the Constitution said. Slavery was not in the Constitution. It didn't say a word about we the white people. It didn't say black people couldn't be considered human beings. None of that was in there. And later on, of course, soon after, we fought a civil war over that very premise. And that was the argument made. There's no constitutionality for treating black Americans this way. But they were activists. They wanted slavery. They believed the court's role was to protect slavery. But the court's role, the Supreme Court's role, was to uphold the Constitution. This is the problem with the left. Now, I'm going to let her continue. What's deeply troubling about today's decision is it limits what they can do, right? This court has said, you can't do that. It's tied EPA's hands behind its back. It's limited its ability to do what is smart in terms of addressing climate change. She uses the word limit. Tied the EPA's hands. Tied the federal government's hands. Limited Government. What is our Constitution about? It is about reining in the government. It is about a limited government. Do you understand that these people's attitudes are antithetical to the Constitution and the existence of America? The reason it was founded? They want big government. They don't believe in individual rights. You just heard her. She's deeply troubled because this is limiting the EPA's ability to, well, force the Green New Deal on the American people. And she actually goes on, she complains that, well, you know, Congress doesn't seem to want to do anything about this. Well, that's Congress's job. There's a reason it requires a bipartisan, it's a bipartisan body. Because every American citizen is supposed to be represented. Their interests in all 50 states across the country. That's why you don't have an EPA that's supposed to be able to do this, which the Supreme Court just said couldn't do it anymore. The left wants to force the Green New Deal, and they are using, not Congress, not debating it, they're using the EPA, which no one voted for, to achieve that for them. To hell with the law. 
we're going to be left to go back to Congress. And to be honest, uh, particularly the Senate has not shown a great interest in addressing the realities of climate change. Uh, this is a pressing, immediate problem. Well, because it's a pressing, immediate problem, and Congress, who's the legislative body that actually constitutionally is the only one who can deal with this, well, it doesn't matter because this is pressing. So forget the Constitution. Congress isn't interested in acting. We don't want to go through the trouble. We, we just want an easy solution that doesn't require voting, doesn't require debate. You know, I mean, this is why people like her, you know, in the, you know, Democrats, liberals, they'll, they'll say things like, gosh, we really admire certain things about China because they can just get things done. They can just get things done. You know, uh, Xi Jinping, he doesn't have to answer to anybody. He's a dictator. He's a communist dictator. He just snaps his fingers and it happens. And it's just so speedy. It's just so quick. And that's what they want. They want Joe Biden, for example, to be able to do whatever he wants. Yeah. Snap my fingers. Gas stations are out of business. Snap my fingers. And uh, American citizens aren't allowed to have guns anymore. Snap my fingers. And free speech is outlawed as long as it's, uh, uh, you know, if it's conservative in nature. That's the world they want to put us in. And they've been abusing the power of the federal government, of the EPA, and so on and so forth, to act like dictators. But the Supreme Court slapped them and said, sorry, you can't do this anymore. We're on to your game. No thank you. Goodbye. And so they're upset by this. But anyway, I was going to play some other clips from her. It doesn't matter. I think I, I, think I made my point with the way she views the, you know, the EPA and what she's upset about. Their hands are tied now. Their hands are tied. Um... I'm going to take one more short break, and then when I get back, I, 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 we, I guess we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. I mean, you know what? Before, before I take a break, let's do this. I want to play a montage, right? So speaking of the left, how they don't have any reverence for the law, uh, they don't have any morals or principles, they don't show any restraint, right? Um, now they want to, to, to abolish the filibuster again, right? They want to stack the Supreme Court. They want to do all these things that are insane. Also, because what if we decide to, what if, you know, we're about to have midterms and it's pretty much expected that the Republicans are going to take back the House and probably the Senate too. So if they get rid of the filibuster, they'll have no power whatsoever. They won't be able to stop anything. I mean, they'll still have the president. So I guess that, you know, uh, alleve some of their fears because, you know, he, he, he can veto you know, a piece of legislation, but they're not going to be able to, to accomplish anything, uh, if they get rid of the filibuster and then we come back in, and let's say in 2024, 2025, when we get a Republican president, we're just going to pass everything we want. No debate. See, I'm not even a fan of that. And even though that achieves what I want, I believe in the constitutional system and Lincoln did too. Lincoln did too. You know, we all have to abide by that. Otherwise, it leads to chaos and, frankly, the, the end of America as we know it. Because if we can't abide by the Constitution, if everyone doesn't look on it with reverence, well, then sooner or later, it's going to be a free-for-all and people are going to start thinking that they need a new government. And that's how you get to war. But here's a montage of Democrats who are all calling to end the filibuster right now, right? They want to end the filibuster. Except for Mansion and Cinema, they won't go along with it, so they're not going to get it. But but this is the Democrats, a montage of them previously saying things 
about the filibuster. And what they're saying is that they shouldn't do it. We can't do it. They were against it. Listen. They want to make this country into a banana republic where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. The legislative filibuster should stay there. And I, I, I will personally uh, resist efforts to get rid of it. I'm committed to never voting to change the legislative filibuster. That would be the end of the Senate. It raises problems that are more damaging than the problems that exist. You cannot change the rules in the middle of the game because you do not like the outcome. You're going to throw the entire Congress into chaos and nothing will get done. Change the rules in midstream to wash away 200 years of history. Nothing at all will get done. I don't think that we ought to be coming in willy-nilly and... and uh, changing the rules you can't change the rules in the middle of the game ideologues in the senate want to turn what the founding fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship well every single one of those democrats that you just heard there in that montage is now calling for abolishing the filibuster they're calling for changing the rules in the middle of the game that was uh, joe biden dick durbin uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, Cory Booker, I believe, as well. I mean, you know, the list goes on. It's all of them. The whole party, apart from Manchin and Cinema, are calling to get rid of the filibuster, to change the rules uh, in their favor. I mean, that's the thing. They want to uproot uh, the way we vote in this country. They're complaining about uh, the fact that by law, through the wisdom of our founding fathers, we are not a direct democracy. You know, a popular vote does not determine a victor in a presidential election. But they want to get rid of that because it stands in the way of their power. That's what I mean. They will burn the entire system down. So, so what do the Democrats have to run on in the midterms and going forward? Their sacred cows have all been slaughtered. The abortion platform, unconstitutional. What can they do about it? Now they're going to now they're gonna try and use that and say, well, we have to get, uh, you know, enough senators in there now in the midterm so we can stack the Supreme Court. And you notice what they say, too. They, they say that Trump stacked the Supreme Court. He didn't stack the Supreme Court. He nominated Supreme Court justices. But this, this, this is the, for vacancies. But this is the insanity of the left. I mean, they, they lie through their teeth about everything. Everything. I mean, Biden's still lying. He's saying that inflation in America is not as bad as other countries. It's worse here than every other country. It's worse here. I guess now is a good opportunity to address something else briefly before we circle back in honor of Jin Saki. Oh, speaking of Jin Saki, speaking of Jin Saki, I, I just want to make a prediction here. I think that uh, the current press secretary, White House press secretary, the one who replaced Jin Saki, Karine, you know, Jean-Pierre, whose only qualifications uh, were being a, well, a, a black lesbian. Um, th th those literally were her only qualifications. And, and the Democratic Party starting to come around to it. I think that she is the Sean Spicer of the Biden administration. Sean Spicer, remember, I don't have anything personal against Sean Spicer. He's got a show on Newsmax or something now, I think. But, you know, he, he didn't last long. He was the first press secretary under Trump, and he made a lot of gaffes. He wasn't prepared at press conferences, and uh, I mean, he was he was axed. You know, they came to a mutual agreement. He and um, 
he and Trump, it was better for him to move on. I addressed this on another episode. You know, I'm not, I'm not, not anti Spicer by any means. Uh, but, but my point is, he was making these these kind of mistakes, and so uh, the upshot of, of those mistakes was that you know he he was booted, he was booted and replaced. Well, apparently the the Biden administration is very dissatisfied with Karine Jean Pierre. She's made uh, numerous numerous. Um, mistakes as of late, and I would predict that she's going to be resigning before the end of summer. I think that, you know, while this administration seems to hold no one accountable, uh, General Milley, uh, he he, he wasn't held accountable for Afghanistan. Uh, Obviously, Joe Biden, no one's being held accountable. I mean, my point is, I mean, obviously, in, in the midterm elections, we will hold politicians accountable via our votes, but, you know, these people who are appoint, appointments, appointees, um, you know, they, none of them have been axed. None of them have been axed. But, you know, Corrine Jean-Pierre over, over you know, recently since she's taken over, just made so many mistakes. I mean, you, you can watch her at any point. She, she's just not prepared. She's not qualified for that job. Uh, she was unaware recently um that that Interior Secretary Deb Holland had tested positive for COVID. She didn't know Biden had been with Holland two days before at a Memorial Day event. You know, she was asked about it. Actually, she learned about it from a reporter who was talking about pictures of the pair. She said, oh, were they? Uh, she was asked uh, that same day, I believe, about the president telling Naval Academy graduates that he had been appointed to the academy in 1965. And Jean-Pierre said, I didn't hear that part of the speech. I mean, she wouldn't answer questions at, her, at another briefing about the last time the president had been tested for COVID-19, which, you know, her predecessor regularly disclosed, her predecessor being Jin Psaki. So she's finding out information from the press corps when her job is to inform and answer questions for the press corps. I mean, I get that sometimes she she doesn't know the answer and she can say she's got to find more information, more information after the briefing. But but that's her frequent response. I mean, it's one thing occasionally to not know something that some something that's going on. I mean, you can't keep tabs on every storyline, but she's done it all the time, way more than Jen Psaki ever did in her first weeks than Jen Psaki did in her entire tenure. I mean, as a matter of fact, in her first 10 briefings as press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, she said that she didn't have the information that the press was asking about 20 plus more times than Jin Saki did in her first 10 briefing, in her first 10 briefings. And, uh, you know, you see her, her flipping through the, 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 the West Wing playbook there, uh, you know, the transcripts, looking through her notebook. I mean, she, she doesn't know where anything is. So, you know, I just think that, that she might get thrown under the bus. I think she's going to get the axe. I mean, she might be the first person to be held accountable or, or to be, you know, a sacrificial lamb of this administration. But what do you expect? Again, I said her only qualification was being a lesbian and black. That's it. <clears throat> That's the truth. Um, I want to I tell you about uh, Biden's visit overseas they're in uh, Madrid for the for the NATO summit in just a minute but a couple other stories I wanted to 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 inform you about before I get to that um 
there's a. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't want to ruin any days here. Well, here's a, here's a fun one. So Katanji Brown Jackson was just sworn in as 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 a Supreme Court justice, right? She's replacing Justice Breyer. And uh, Good Morning America, right? The esteemed Good Morning America, the folks over there, they tweeted out, Katanji Brown Jackson is sworn in as the first black Supreme Court justice. What's wrong with that? She's not. She's not. There have been two other black Supreme Court justices. One of them, Clarence Thomas, currently sits on the court. And the other one, Marshall, uh, was the first black Supreme Court justice many, many years before. And so good morning. I mean, I don't know who wrote this tweet, but this has happened before. So they, they follow up with another tweet and they say, video shows Katanji Brown Jackson sworn in as the first black female Supreme Court justice in U.S. history. A previous tweet erroneously stated, blah, blah, blah. First black Supreme Court justice. I don't know that that's fair. Let me, let, let, let me just refresh your memory. This is Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, you know, at the hearings, her at her confirmation hearing, she was asked to define a woman. Let's go. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. That would never get told. Uh, I, I'm not a biologist. Uh, in this context, I can't define what a woman is. So, I mean, good morning, America. I mean, you get the first tweet wrong. She's not the first black African-American on the first black Supreme Court justice. But, but you know, the follow-up question is, what is a woman? Katanji Brown-Jackson can't even define a woman. How do we know that she even identifies as a woman? Well, we all know what a woman is now because... Uh, Apparently, uh, abortion has has forced the left to acknowledge what a woman is. Uh, they can apparently give birth. Uh, that's a criteria. But Katanji Brown Jackson, that was lost on her. Uh, um, you know, that would have been a proper de- proper definition, right? What's a woman? Someone who can give birth. Someone who can get pregnant. Well, now they're all up in arms, right? Now we know who the the women are. Um. By the way, uh, how many times? Have you heard the Biden administration, Karine Jean-Pierre, deny that a recession is inevitable, right? They try and downplay the economic situation in this country. Don't want to take responsibility because it's by design. They're doing all this on purpose to destroy the economy. Well, the Atlanta Fed is predicting recession. They're predicting a negative second quarter economic growth. Well, you know, I'm not the Fed. <laughs> As Katanji Brown said, well, I'm not a bot. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Fed. I'm not the Atlanta Fed, but I told you weeks ago, I told you, I think as soon as they announced the first economic contraction, the first quarter this year, I said, well, a recession's coming. We're in a recession. Um, We just have to wait to meet the criteria, which is two consecutive quarters of contraction. Well, now, now now the Fed is predicting a recession. I mean, that's, that's not hard to predict. I mean, no policy changes has happened. Inflation's still rampant and the Fed uh, has been forced to raise interest rates. I mean, they needed to do that a long time ago, but now we're in an impossible situation. And now it's just a matter of, can they ease it? Can they thread it carefully so that we don't end up in a depression instead of a recession? And the other thing I wanted to tell you, you know, uh, Pelosi, 
there was a video of her, Myra Flores, who, you know, is the first Republican ever to win that district in Texas, the heavily second heaviest Hispanic district in the country. She beat her Democratic challenger in the special election, who also ran as a pro-life Democrat because that community, Hispanic community, is pro-life. Well, it, you know, they, they went to the White House, and there's a video of Pelosi, a photo op, and Myra Flores, a couple of her kids, I believe, are in the photo. And you see Nancy Pelosi, who's an absolute witch with a W, use her elbow to push the daughter away. It's visible. It's right in plain sight. You can't deny it. Well, the last World War II Medal of Honor recipient died uh, yesterday or the day before. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge this person because no one knows his name, nor would they know his name. I mean, his name uh, was Woody Williams. He passed away on Wednesday, it was. That's right. He was 98 years old. And he served in the Pacific Theater of World War II, and he fought in the Battle of Iwo Jima. And his story is unbelievable, by the way. This was a brave person. I don't know if he was the lone survivor in his unit or just one of the few survivors, but he took out uh, many, many defense systems. Uh, It was a situation where they were trying to destroy these batteries, I believe, and countless people. Brave men before him tried to do it and were killed in the process. And he finally volunteered, I believe, to do it. And 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 he did it. He destroyed like eight of them or something. Like that. It's a rem- this this is a special person, the greatest generation. People who sacrificed and came home and didn't complain. They just wanted to to go back to their normal lives, to work, to build this country that we have inherited. Well, anyway, so this man should be celebrated, right? I mean, not only is he just a brave man, a Medal of Honor recipient, but he's the last World War II Medal of Honor recipient that had been alive. And so uh, somebody uh, wrote to Pelosi and urged her to pass uh, this resolution that was introduced (coughs) back in January of 2021. And... um, what what they wanted to do um, was honor this person. I'm pulling up the resolution now because I like primary sources, right? So, uh, okay, so they, they wanted to authorize the use of the rotunda of the Capitol, right? That's typically reserved for, for you know, politicians and, and, and so on and so forth, senators, House of Reps. But, but they, they, this was a special person. And so they asked to use the rotunda of the Capitol to honor the last surviving Medal of Honor recipient. And Nancy Pelosi ignored this request. And after after receiving no response, they tried again. They sent this letter to the House Speaker, and, and she she still didn't respond. So this is what she thinks of our veterans, of our brave heroes. This is the thing. These people aren't appreciated by the left at all. And they really don't care about anyone. They don't care about the dead immigrants, the 52 or three who died at the border. All they care about is is themselves and their own power and what they can get out of it. That's it. So, all right. So speaking of selfish politicians uh, who don't know their you-know-what from their you-know-what, 
<clears throat> well, we got to talk about the, what happened in NATO. Well, firstly, um, do you remember I talked about this a few episodes ago too? Russia threatened retaliation if if uh, if uh, Finland joined. I believe it was Finland. I mean, Sweden and Finland <clears throat> are the two that want to join, but I believe believe it was over Finland. But anyway, they've been invited to 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 join NATO now. Is Putin going to retaliate? Is Putin going to retaliate? It's interesting because, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the response before the invasion of Ukraine, um, you know, they really blew that up, right? I mean, they talked about it nonstop. Joe Biden at press conferences said that, yeah, he was certain it was going to happen. And he said he, uh, and now you have a situation where, where Putin has, has threatened retaliation and they're inviting them in. It's just it's just an interesting observation to me that that the I don't know they don't really seem worried about about Russia's threats now that they've invaded Ukraine. I mean, anyway, it's just just interesting to me. Um, Biden, by the way, wants to give eight hundred billion more to Ukraine in weapons. So I guess that's a garage sale. That's one way to hollow out the military, by the way. Just give all of our weapons away. He already left much to the Taliban. Now he's leaving them to, he wants to give more to Ukraine. So that's good. Let's just give all our weapons away to the rest of the world while we uh, continue to suffer. I mean, we're having unbelievable difficulty recruiting anyone into the military now. Their numbers are abysmal, abysmal. And, and we know why. Vaccine mandates in the military, those are still going on. But can you believe that? After everything we know, Fauci's got four doses of the vaccine. He's been very, very ill. And he's older, of course. And so the vaccines aren't preventing even a severe illness in the case of Fauci, but they're still requiring vaccine mandates for the youngest and healthiest Americans in the country. You know why? To make sure that brave soldiers don't join. So anyway, so I, I was mentioning the NATO inviting Finland and Sweden to join NATO because Joe Biden confused Switzerland with Sweden. He said, some of the American press will remember when I got a phone call from the leader of Finland saying, could he come and see me? He came the next, next day and said, Will you support my joining, my country joining NATO? We got on the telephone and he suggested we call the leader of, of Switzerland. Switzerland, my goodness. I'm getting really anxious here about expanding NATO, of, of Sweden. So he caught himself at the very end. But it's just a yet another gaffe from Joe Biden. In, 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 uh, in uh, Madrid at this NATO summit, he also said that the United States is going to stick with U- Ukraine to make sure they're not defeated. By Russia, so we're just we're sticking with Ukraine to make sure they're not defeated by Russia, and he, and you know what his strategy is, by the way, it's not permitting new oil production in America. It's 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 not expanding our energy independence. That is his his way of doing this. Um, because Biden has said that. Let me see if I can find this. Okay. So President Joe Biden said at the NATO summit that, that you, this should make all of you feel confident, right? Are you happy with your gas prices right now? 
719, that's what they were. That's for premium here where I live in California. But but here's your president for you. He said in in, in Madrid that U.S. drivers are going to continue to pay record high gas prices for as long as it takes. Do you know why we're going to pay high gas prices, record high gas prices for as long as it takes? Because apparently that's going to stop Russia's war in Ukraine. We're going to pay it. We're going to continue to pay record high gas prices for as long as it takes to stop Russia's war in Ukraine. So our paying sky high gas prices, record high gas prices that are destroying America's, Americans' ability to feed their families and pay their bills, that's how we're fighting this. Are you so ha- Look, just next time, Biden wants you to know the next time you're filling up your gas tank and you can only fill it up halfway because you've got to buy food for your family as well. Just remember, you're sacrificing for uh, for Ukraine's war. That's what that's what he's saying. Unbelievable. As long as it takes, so that Russia cannot, in fact, defeat Ukraine and move beyond Ukraine. So our paying sky high gas prices that's preventing Putin from winning the war. I mean, I, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. My thoughts exactly. Your thoughts, my thoughts. We're on the same page. Believe me. Um, so this was interesting too. So he went over there like a, an Obama acolyte that he is, and he blasted the U.S. Supreme Court while on foreign soil. Why is he over? I mean, I don't care if the press asks about him. He's on foreign soil and he's bashing America. So he blasted the U.S. Supreme Court. He accused the high court of outrageous behavior that has destabilized the country. No, no, no. It's not the court that destabilized the country. It's your rhetoric and your lies about what overturning Roe v. Wade even means. It's the lies that have been told to the American people for the purposes of building a base to support the Democratic Party around a lie, that there's a constitutional right to abortion, and that overturning Roe v. Wade makes abortion illegal. All these people believe that. That's not true. So a reporter asked Biden, a question that laid out the social problems that are ailing America under his term. And they asked him what his message was for those around the world who believe America is headed in the wrong direction. Well, that reporter is right. It's not just those around the world who believe America is headed in the wrong direction. It's also the American people who overwhelmingly have stated that America is headed in the wrong direction. So uh, so he calls on on... On his first, the first report, he says, in the first question I'm told, I'm told. Notice, I'm told, he's told, right? And the first question I'm told is Darlene Superville from the Associated Press. So he's taking directions on who to call from the media. No surprise there. America is back was your motto at the first NATO summit last year. And you've come to this summit here and the one in Germany after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned constitutional protections for abortion after the shootings in Buffalo and Texas at a time of record inflation, and as new polling this week shows that 85% of the U.S. public thinks the country is going in the wrong direction. Superville posited. How do you explain this to those people who feel the country is going in the wrong direction, including some of the leaders you've been meeting with this week who think that when you put all this together, it amounts to an America that is going backward? They do not think that, Biden snapped at the reporter. You haven't found one person, one world leader to say America is going backward. America is better positioned to lead the world than we have ever seen. 
We have the strongest economy in the world. Our inflation rates are lower than other nations. He lied. He lied and he missed the points. Now that reporter's not right about everything. You know, Europe, Europe doesn't understand America either. They don't understand the Second Amendment because they don't have liberty. They don't have our constitutional system. We're the greatest nation in the history of the world, and we're lucky to be here. Europe's not like that. They're used to tyranny. I lived in Italy for, well, five years in the cumulative, but I, I was a legal resident there for two and a half of those years. But I want to bring up something else to close out here. You know, it's interesting because... Barack Obama and a lot of these leftists in light of these Supreme Court rulings are saying that we're going backwards. In fact, let me let me tell you, I mean, this, this is how sick MSNBC is, by the way. Oh, oh, you know, before I do that, MSNBC, uh, they, they have said that the implications of the Supreme Court's decision on the, on the EPA, well, they extend far beyond climate change. They threaten the very concept of a federal government. Bingo. That's what I've been talking about. They want an all-powerful federal government that is a, a abomination in the eyes of the founding fathers in our Constitution. So it, anything that threatens the power of the federal government, which means the Democratic Party in the swamp, well, that's not good. That's not good. Um, well, maybe I didn't. Maybe I failed to take a screenshot here of the NBC thing. I think what I did is sometimes on Twitter, you might not be on Twitter, but I like all these things and it doesn't mean I like them per se, but I like them because it saves them so I can see them. Um, oh, here we go. MSNBC. The Supreme Court this term has handed down rulings that functionally drag the U.S. back to an era where old, white, rapacious Christian men controlled everything. I told you. I told you. They hate Christianity. They do not understand the nation. Unbelievable, their perspective and their, their, their vitriol, hateful vitriol out there that's destroying and ripping this country apart. Um, okay, okay, okay. Back on track here to close out. I'm gathering my thoughts. I jumped off track for a second. Just like the nation's been off track for so many decades, but we're back on track thanks to the Supreme Court decisions this week. Okay, yes. Barack Obama and these people, they're talking about how we're going backwards. Well, <coughs> if, if we've gone past, if progress means violating the Constitution and fundamentally altering our relationship in the government for the worse to make us slave and the government servant, well, I want to go back. I want to go back... I want to go back to the days in which we fulfill our founders' vision uh, to form a more perfect union. That's what I want. I want to go back. We need to go back. We've gone too far. We need to go back. So actually, it's a good thing, all these Democrats saying, we're regressing. Well, we need to regress if regression means going back to freedom and the Constitution and lawfulness. But remember what I said here. Because this is a remarkable time to be alive despite all the challenges we are facing. You know, it's kind of like in, in life. You know, if you go on a trip or something and it all goes swimmingly and someone and you come back and somebody asks you about the trip, I mean, it's a pretty brief answer, right? Oh, I had a great time. But how about the stories you have when things don't go as planned? 
when there's hardship involved. Those make amazing stories. Now, we have to overcome the hardship. It's not over. But I would present to you again <coughs> a message of hope, which is, th- which is this is huge. What happened since last Thursday over the last week, a little over a week now, is major. And we are witnessing it in our own lives. And that's something to be excited about. The tide is turning. The tide is turning. The death of the EPA is giving new life to the USA. And, you know, the, the, this last week, in my opinion, has been the greatest victory for America since the Civil Rights Act. Act's passage of 1964. Real progress is being made. We're closer today to resembling the country as intended than we have been in decades. All right, this is Drew Allen. God bless you all. Until next time.